Listen, I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Philippians uh, chapter 2. Uh, while you're turning there, let, let me tell you a story that just took me back. And it's just evidence. This is kind of side from the message. This is just kind of extra today. Uh, and I'll go through it really fast, but it's really cool. And, and that is this. When we were in Guatemala, one of the things that we try to do, and I try to make sure we do as a team and as, as a church, is Love Guatemala has a number of schools. We've supported those schools. And these schools, these, these uh, young adults are in these schools. And it's really, if they don't, if they don't get this skill, there's not another opportunity. There's no hope. And so there's a carpentry school, and they teach, uh, teach a building. There's a cooking school they teach to cook, where they can go out and become chefs or cooks in, in some place or start their own business if possible. Uh, there's an English school. There's just an art school. There's so many. One. And each year I try to find ways that we can encourage those students because there's so much telling them to drop out, drop out, drop out. And I find if we can find ways just to say, we're here with you. We're championing you. We're on your team. Keep going, keep going, keep going. And if we can do that small part. And so each year I try to find a way that we can do that. And this year I decided we do the cooking school. There's 20 students in the cooking school. And, and so I, I didn't know what we were going to do. I don't know anything. You know, how do you encourage people and cook? Keep cooking, you know. Uh, I, I couldn't understand, so I thought, you know, maybe we'll get a spatula or, or, or gifts, I think. I always tried to bring a gift to be a form of encouragement. And literally one night, I was sitting down on the couch watching TV, going through Amazon. I put cooking utensils, all this kind of stuff. I thought, what in the world? You know, what, what, what do we do? And I, I looked on, and I thought, well, that's interesting. It was this little kit, and it was 42 cake decorating, professional level cake decorating tips. And I thought, well, that's, that's kind of cool. It wasn't real expensive. We can travel. I was always taking supplies on there. There's always a big issue with luggage and all that. I was like, we could fit a lot of those. That might work. And it went real, real expensive. And I always build that into the, uh, the cost of the trip plus you when you support people. This is what you support, things like that. I thought, we could probably do that. And that's, that's the amount of ingenuity and information I had that I said, let's do that. So I got those and we took them down there. And uh, Katie Kemper was teaching uh, one of the schools uh, one day, and I said, hey, we're going to give these out today. And she's like, okay, I'll cook. I'll let you know. And I said, you know, I said, you're doing the work of, of teaching them in the cooking school. You get the fun of, of giving them the gift. And I said, this is what I want you to I just want you to encourage them, tell them that we're behind them, all this. Just give them an encouragement like that. And then, then you're kind of like you're the Oprah of the moment. And one and you get one and you get one it'll be kind of a neat deal and so I said just let me know so she kind of gave me the info hey we're going to do it in about five ten minutes so uh, so I kind of came in there and I videotaped it with the videotaping because I'm terrible at it. it didn't do it justice but I'm sitting there it's the first time this happened I've done this for a number of years and given out stuff like this all the time it's the first time this happened and I'm standing over there watching it all and 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 they could and there's a break and Katie starts her thing and she starts just doing a good job encouraging everything and she says and so you know keep at it and we're behind you and all this kind of stuff and doing it real good from a spiritual perspective and she said and we got a gift from you and she turned around in the bag and she for each of you we got this and it's 42 uh tips decorating tips uh for cake decoration that we want to give every one of you as a part of the support of your school and at that moment there was this gasp of them in the room and then this over-the-top celebration. I mean, it was not proportional for what we gave them. In fact, I was taken back by it, and that's never happened before. And I'm like, this is weird. It's cake decorating tips. It's not like we gave you, you know, the million-dollar lottery or something. And it was just weird, the response. And I noticed that even after I told somebody, I said, you know, the response was just not proportional. It's just odd. I'm very thankful that they were that thankful, but it was just this over-the-top celebration. And it's a Jennifer, who is Ben Kunkel, who runs uh, Love Guatemala's wife, she ran the cooking school till she recently had a baby and kind of stepped back. And after she said, I want to tell you what you may not know. It's like that. She said, well, the, 
the teachers were telling me that they had come to their part in their education where they were about to start cake decoration. But in order to start, they had to have their decorating uh, utensils and supplies. And these little cones, are, you can get them in the city, they're made of aluminum. We gave them steel ones. They're real flimsy and everything, but they cost $3 a piece. And none of these people, some of these people, the, their parents worked for $5 a day and said that none of them could afford it. So none of them had bought what they needed in order to go to the next stage. So none of them were able to start and continue in their education. And she said, and all of a sudden, you showed up, and you gave them exactly what they needed. And that's why they celebrated so wildly. And you know, I sat back, and I thought, you can either say that's coincidence. That just so happened, we were going to be there at that time, and it was just a coincidence we were there at that time, which they needed baking tips, and it was a coincidence that I'm sitting on my couch watching TV, going through Amazon, trying to look for stuff, and I happened to pick the very thing they, they needed. You can either say that's coincidence, or you can say, that God knows exactly what we need when we need it. We think we always know what we need when we need it, but God knows exactly what we need when we need it. And he is capable of bringing to our life through methods that we never would have thought of or seen coming. He's able to orchestrate events in our life to make sure at the right time we get exactly what we need in our life when we need it. It's just, it was one of those great moments where after I, I, I heard that, I just walked up, walked outside, and I just pointed out and said, you're pretty awesome. Side note, cool little note. Now let's get on to what we're talking about today. That, I won't charge you extra for that little message right there. Now, next week, I'm going to start a series where we talk about the battles that we face in life. And we're going to do it on a football theme and keep up with our social media this week because we're going to get you some, because we're going to invite you to participate in some fun stuff uh, as we do it. But today, I'm just, I want to spend time really challenging you on something. And part of it is because of the time of year that we're coming at. And that is, this is the time of year where, you know, we're getting back into a routine, right? It used to be Labor Day was the beginning of getting back to routines. That's the beginning when school started. But now it's, it's kind of the whole month of August. It's, in fact, for us in ministry, it's hard to find when is that kickoff time because some are already back. Talked to someone already that, uh, from McDonough, and they started back this past week. My wife's a teacher, started back uh, earlier, but the kids came back on Friday. And, and so, and then some of you will be next week. Some of you will be two weeks after that. So all this is kind of crazy, but what happens is over the next several weeks, people are going to start getting back into the routine. And one of the things they get back in routine of is going to church or looking for a church or maybe trying a new church. And they, but when someone shows up into any church, into our church, it's the same. When someone walks through those doors, you know what they bring with them? Everything. They bring with them everything. Everything that's going on in their family, everything that's going, home, going on at home in their marriage, everything that's going on at work, everything that's going on with them health-wise or financially, they bring everything with them. Good or bad, we just carry it with us. And when we bring that stuff, when someone walks in here and brings everything with them, you know what they're looking for? Maybe they're looking for a good message. That's probably true. Maybe they're looking for uh, some good worship. That's but, but, but I tell you, one of the things, they may not even know this is what they're looking for, but one of the things that they're looking for the most is just people who are present. There's just something about it when we, we're just bringing everything into us in life and we show up at a place like this. What we want, and we may even realize that what we want most is not necessarily someone who has all the answers to everything because we don't even know what all the questions are and we're in the middle of it. So who knows who has the answers to everything? So it's not so that we show up someone to have someone to have all the answers. It's just we want to go somewhere where we feel that people are present and want to be present in our life. 
and we want to be, be in a place where they create an environment where people are present with each other, and we just are constantly looking for people who are present. That's the one thing they look for. It's one of the things we all look for when we walk into this place. It's harder and harder to find that these days. It's harder wherever you go, church, any other place. It's hard to find people who are present with you in that moment because we're all so busy going our things. We're running here, getting a message, getting worship. We're getting on with life, and we're here. That we're just, and it's hard to find people who are willing just to be present. And it's hard for us to be present in other people's lives because we got so much going on. And what happens is we've just forgotten the value of the other. And at the very least, we've devalued the significance of the other in our life and us being in other people's lives. Here's what I mean by that. Life is like a play. Your life is a play. Every day there's a new chapter unfolding, or at least every season there's a new chapter unfolding. And this is, your, I always tell people, your life is what, like one big story just unfolding before you, and there's chapters and new divisions of that. And like any play, your life has two sets of actors. There is you, and there are others. There is you, and there's everybody else. And like any movie or any play, there is a lead actor that most consistently takes center stage in that play. The question I ask you is, who takes center stage in your play? Your life is a play. Your life is unfolding. There's chapter after chapter. And someone is the lead actor. Someone is at center stage most of the time. Who is consistently at center stage in this play called your life? Well, some of us would be honest. We'd say, well, me, I guess. I mean, it's, after all, it's, it's my life. That just makes sense. Others of us would want to be very spiritual and we'd say it's Jesus. You know, Jesus is at the the truth of the matter is, Jesus doesn't want to be at center stage. Jesus, his role is to be the director. You see what a director does to a play? He's the one that decides where the play is going. He's the one that decides what's the proper role of the actors. He's the one that decides if the actor is playing his role well or not. He's the one that decides and gives directions. The actors follow the director. We are called to follow Jesus. Jesus is not just some actor in our play. He's not even the center stage actor. He is the director in which we should be following with our lives we have a tendency to put ourselves into the the center stage of our life most consistently and i will tell you that is what what god designed your life for and that is the not the heartbeat of god for you now let me let me tell you why i say that and why this so concerns me so much what i've discovered just by observing and just reflecting and praying, what I've discovered is that the more a person or a people, a culture, a nation, the more a person or people have become accustomed to prosperity, security, and health, the more they begin, what goes along with that is they begin to value the me over the other. I mean, let's just take our uh, our nation or our culture. The adult generation that is the majority of adults these days, we don't know what it's like to go through a world war. We don't. We don't know what it's like to experience that kind of insecurity. We've had 
little wars that we've called wars, but we've never known where freedom was truly at stake. We've, we've never experienced that. We've never experienced a true depression. You know what? You know, for us, depression is we don't get to go on many vacations as we used to. We don't get to eat out as much as we used to. But we've never gone through a true depression. We don't know what that's like. We were, most of us may, that are adults, may remember the, a little bit of the Cold War. Maybe we remember the fall of the, of the Russian Empire. But most of us don't. And we don't know what it's like to live in the middle of the Cold War where Nuclear annihilation was a constant threat. We've never experienced an epidemic or a pandemic of any kind. We've not known that. We've had an extended amount of years of prosperity, security, and health. It's been good, and we have benefited from that. But one of the unintended consequences of that is more and more, I began to put more value and more stock in the me over the, over the other. And we see that. And it's just getting more and more and more intense. I'm elevating the value more and more of me. And I'm devaluing the significance of others. And we see it playing out in so many different arenas of our life. Just look at our politics. Today, like never before, it is okay for you to accuse a political opponent of some of the most vile things even if there is no evidence that it's true. But it's okay in my mind as long as doing it means that it advances my position or my cause in people's eyes or in the position of culture. And so we are seeing people say some of the craziest things about people based on nothing and doing it without any thought of remorse or should I be saying this? Because the value of me is increasing and the value of others is decreasing. Yesterday, I don't know if you saw the news, 20 people murdered, several more people injured in El Paso. You know, I remember as a kid, I I do remember there being kind of shootings, workplace shootings, but most of the time, if not all the time that I can remember, they were the result of some type of domestic family thing. Or they were a result of some type of work thing going on where an employee was, was pushed out of work and came back and, and, and took revenge out on some of those people. I remember when I was a kid, there was a period of time where that happened in a number of postal uh, facilities, and that's where the whole term going postal on someone actually came from. And, and, and it was awful, and it was tragic, and it was evil, but in some sense of mind, you kind of understood what the dynamic was that caused it. There was a sense in this person, though as wrong as it was, that there needed to be retribution for what was done to them. But today, a guy from Allen, Texas, which is up by Dallas, drives to El Paso and walks in, what, to a Walmart, why? And begins to shoot and kill people that he knows nothing about, that he's had never in any encounter, that, are, that he has no idea who they are or what they're about or whether they have... But he does it because he's mad. For whatever reason, he's angry, and it's about him and how I feel, and I need to express it because why? I am what's valuable. I am my emotions and me and what I want to do and what I want to say is what's so significant, and others are insignificant. So there's no problem in me in showing up at a place that I've never been, I know no one, and killing 20 of them in a drop of a hat. Because over time, we have had prosperity, health, and security, and the value of me has constantly been elevated, 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 and the value of others has constantly been pushed down, pushed down, pushed down. Until we're at this place. 
you look at just this world communication this day, the social media, it's amazing to me, and I don't have this problem because I don't have that many followers, but it's amazing to me how someone with significant amount of followers can come out and say anything, and someone will jump on there and begin. It can be the most innocuous thing. And someone will jump on there and just begin to try to destroy. Not someone, several someones will jump on there and try to destroy them without a care in the world. Because I want to say, you can go on there, you can be a famous person, you can go on and say, I like cheese. And someone's going to jump on and say, do you understand? You know, cheese comes from cows and dairies. Cows are put into stalls and their milk is ripped from them (coughs) involuntarily. And therefore, they are tortured. So you are for the torture and cruelty of animals. You're like, I just like cheese. I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, it doesn't make sense, but it does make sense when you understand where we come from. We've come from a place of so much prosperity. We see this in the history of the nation of Israel as well. When we have so much extended time, our prosperity, health, and security, what happens more and more and more is we elevate the me, we elevate the me, we elevate the me at the expense of others, and you are devalued. We see that the time Israel constantly got in trouble and they ignored God was after long periods of security and health and prosperity. And you see it happening over and over. And you and I do it. We're victims of this. Maybe we don't go out and harm someone. But we tend to evaluate things in life first through the lenses of how does it affect me? How does it advance me? How does it benefit me? Oh, and if we're good Christians, then after we do that, we may turn around and ask, how does it affect other people? That's where we've come. Now let's take that and bring it in light of what Scripture says. And I think it makes all the more important what Paul says here to the church at Philippi, especially two particular words. Philippians chapter 2, picking up with verse number 1, Paul writes this to this church. He says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, If any comfort comes from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one spirit and of one mind. Okay, So you hear this appealing of him, right? You can almost sense that he's appealing to them. He's like saying, you know, okay, I I get it. There's going to be things that we disagree about. There's going to be things that you guys disagree about. Some, it's just, sometimes it's not that one's right, one's wrong. There's just going to be things where you come from different experience, you come from different perspectives, and maybe there's more than one way of doing something and all that. And they're just, we're just humans, and we bring all our, everything with us, and it causes us to see things differently and all that. You know what? It's just going to be a part of living life together. And we're going to have just differences. But, but then you see this, this appealing. They make my joy complete by being like-minded having the same love, being a one in spirit and one in mind. About what, Paul? He's like, he's saying, I get it. We're all different. We're going to have different perspectives and different opinions. We're going to disagree with them. But there is something that I want us all to agree on. There is something that we all need to say yes to. There is something that we all want to say, yeah, that's it. So he says, hey, you made my joy complete by being all in agreement on this. And then the next verse, he tells us what it is. In verse 3, he says this. Do not, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. What makes that verse so powerful 
And so unsettling is the last two words. It would have been easy for us just to fit it into our present culture if he would have said this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility value others. He said, okay, we can do that. I'll value others. I'll think that other people are important. And when I can, I'll invest in them. But he didn't end there. To me, the whole significance of this verse comes in those last two words. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others. And then he put this on it, which changes it. He raises the bar above yourselves. That goes against our modern culture. Life on earth is a play. And Paul is saying, you are to resist the natural temptation of living in a world of extended prosperity and health and security, and you are to resist what comes from that, and that is the the desire, the temptation to put yourself at center stage of your play. Now, he's not advocating that you allow people to abuse you, but he's also saying you don't really concern yourself with that. Let me concern myself with that. He's not devaluing the importance of self-care in your life, He's just saying, you need to understand, I'm the director. You're not to be the star of the play of the one life you've been given. That's not the role that I'm calling you to. And some of us, if we would sit down and be honest with ourselves, that's exactly what we've been doing. We've helped people when we can, but really when it comes down to it, it's about our agenda and our our insecurities and our position and our this and our that and our and all of a sudden it's become down to the fact that we are constantly the one who's placed center stage at or in the play of our life. And what scares me about that for myself, what scares me about that for you, is I believe that there's a lot of Christians out there that are very living very large right now, but one day are going to get to heaven, and hallelujah, they're going to scrape hell by the blood of Christ, but they're going to get there and discover that they're on the verge of bankruptcy. How much do you value putting others at the center stage of your life? What value do you place on you and your life? And how much value do you place on making your life the one that blesses other people's lives? At what point are the priorities there? Which one is ahead of which one? Not just as you. What about your family? Is it a value in your family that why God has put us here as a family is not just to advance us so that we can experience things and we can do things and I can get you through it? What if it was that a value that's at the top of our family is our family is to be a blessing to the people that God put in our life? What if that was your family value? For some of us, if we're honest, it would dramatically change the way we value things and the way we would live our family. Remember what Jesus said when he talked about his kingdom? When he talked about God's economy, how how things would work itself out when we stepped into heaven, he said this in Matthew chapter 20, verse 16. So the last will be first, and the first will be last. It's not like we weren't told. Value others above yourself. The last will be first and the first will be last. It's not like we weren't told. What he's basically saying this, 
as long as you are center stage now, you will be back row later. As long as you are just focused on you living large now, you may discover that you are with Christ and you've escaped hell, but you are virtually in heaven on the verge of bankruptcy. That's sobering, is it not? Think about that and how you treat other people. Think about that and how you allocate your time and your money, your priorities, and and how you define success in your life. Is success based upon how much you get or success defined by the impact you can make in the lives of people that God puts in your life? God calls us to be other-centric. And it's when we get to this place, when we begin to realize that what the call of God on my life is to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility value others above myself, when I truly, that becomes the motivator of my life and the, and the standard in which I define success in my life, that's when we will work hard to be present in people's lives. Because all of a sudden, making sure that I'm present in your life is more important than me going to this or accomplishing that or doing that. And all of a sudden, you become the focus more than anything else. God calls us all to be other-centric. So I ask you just to let that marinate a little bit. Just go back to the question I asked early on. Who is most consistently at center stage of your life? Because you only have one. Now let me apply this. And maybe this is a little selfish here, but let me apply this to here, if you will. All that I just said, I want to be your primary motivation to serve in this church. And just let me talk to those that, are, that consistently are part of Piedmont real quick. I don't want you to serve in this church just because, let's say, you love kids. And that's good. Don't get me wrong. That should be part of the motivation. You, you know, if you hate kids, you probably don't need to be an all-star. But I don't want that to be your primary motivation. But it could be a motivation. I, I don't want the primary motivation to be you know, because we need help. And we do need help. I'm sure you saw this in the bulletin as I did. There's a number of positions. Ushers, connection deck, nursery, production team, all-stars. I don't want that, though, to be your main motivation. And I certainly don't want anyone to guilt you into serving because you won't last. But what I do want and what I do ask of you is occasionally be willing to make a commitment or to be willing to make a commitment to occasionally get up out of that chair and serve somewhere because you want to be present in someone's life. Not because you know all the answers, not because you're an expert at this or that or greeting people and all that. You just really understand that I need to make sure that I'm not putting me at the center stage of my life. And there's so much pressure to do that. So I want to put myself in positions where I can just be present in other people's lives. Where I can say I'm here not because it benefits me or I feel guilty to or because they need me. I'm here because I want to add value to your life and to whoever it is on that particular Sunday comes through those doors and we meet face to face or we speak voice to voice that some way I can communicate value to them. That I can 
be present in their life because I don't know what they're going through, but this one thing I do know, they bring everything with them when they show up. And what we need more than anything else is people who are present in other people's lives. And that only happens consistently when we understand that we are not to be at the center stage of our own lives. So I ask you to do that. Whether it is serving in all stars or treehouse or hospitality, becoming an usher or greeter or on the sound team or up here on stage. I'm calling you to get up out of that seat and get in the game as God's response, as your response to God's call to place others, value others above yourself. That's why we ought to serve. Because every Sunday morning, People walk through these doors and they bring everything with them. And what they need more than anything else, they just need someone like you. Not necessarily someone who knows all the answers to questions because they don't even know all the questions. But someone who will be present. Then someone that instead of just running in and making sure you give me a good sermon, you give me a good song so I can go out and do life. Someone that comes in and says, you know, I believe God's going to tell me what he wants to tell me. And I'm going to find something to celebrate in the worship. But you know what? I'm here to bring me to be present in other people's lives because I know they need that from me and I need that from other people. Wouldn't that be cool? Just imagine what kind of church we could become if that was the focus of why we showed up here, to be present in other people's lives. Hmm. I'm going to read this verse one more time as to close. And let me ask, If you were to die and I was asked to do your funeral, would someone in your family or one of your friends bring this verse to me and say, can you work this verse in some way? Because if there is a verse that kind of characterizes how they live their life, there was a verse that kind of said, that exemplified their motto of living. This would be it. Or, Or are you comfortable with this verse as I read it? knowing that it will be the standard that God uses to kind of grade how you lived this one life you've been given? And will you let this verse be the thing that motivates you to commit today to find that place here at church where you can be present in other people's lives? Paul writing after telling them, you'll make my joy complete if you have one if you all agree in one like-minded way about this, he said, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself.